Lauren Bond and the Metabolic Studio offers the Explorers Club to share meaningful journeys, encounters, and projects in an intimate setting at the Metabolic Studio. Session 17, July 7, 2016, features Olivia Chumacero, who presents her work from 2005 through 2013 with Lauren Bond and the Metabolic Studio at Nauta Cornfield through the Anabolic Monument. Let's tune in, connect, and listen. I'm going to begin with um, a quote, my own quote. <laughs> and I have extracted this from another piece of work that I'm writing. And the quote is, Memories are not just about the past. They determine our future. <clears throat> there's a weave of life, there's a weave to life, silently spiraling into infinity. Every color, shade, and texture of that weave, constructed in minute increments, determines both the collective and the individual relationship we hold with time and place. The weave's potency, however, is the painstaking manner with which it reveals itself. Inextricably, it uses time and place to create what we call beauty and the upheavals in life. And it was in this manner that the thread of your life came to be woven with mine in the year 2005 in the season of a summer sun in the place of many names. Here and now, I honor the place of many names by noting them, the anabolic monument, not a cornfield, Los Angeles State Historic Park, abandoned industrial brownfield, Los Angeles City train yard, a hotel, an agricultural field, La Sanja Madre, a flood plain, a native meadow, and Yagna, the gathering place for the Tongva people. To be sure, it must have had other names even before the Tongva, but only pictorial rock art and or ancestral blood memory hold the knowledge of what those may have been. And, in all likelihood, it will have other names inscribed to its history in the future. <clears throat> but to answer what was asked of me first, I must put in context the who I am and where and what I come from, and herein follows that story and that telling. I begin with that summer day when I first walked into the place of many names, a tan-colored canvas yurt was to my left. An RV trailer serving as office space was at my back. And in front of said office, a wooden deck housed a group of people. Mr. Al Nodell introduced me to the group. I sat down, and my eyes saw a very uncommon view for an urban setting. 
Before me lay row after row of vibrant green corn plants that still had months of growing before maturing. The field was cut in half by a path wide enough to walk three people side by side. The eye was directed by that path to end at the Chinatown Metro Goal Line. There, it met the horizon with a jutting sprawl of a Los Angeles cityscape that scratched a flawless blue sky on that particular day. I had just returned to this urban world from a prayer run for world peace, also known as a spirit run, with cheap, orbo-looking horse of the Ogala Lakota people. I squirmed as I sat in that chair, having been accustomed to the open meadows, valleys, plains, and canyons from week after week of running. We had initiated the run on the shores of the Pacific Ocean, on the beach adjacent to the Santa Monica Pier. In ceremonial manner, the Tongva and the Kavia elders had honored us, but for a few months earlier. The offerings at the honoring had been sage, cedar, tobacco, rattles, drums, and a conch sound. In the midst of the ceremony, we turned west to face the ocean. At that very instant, two dolphins leaped up into the air, blanketing us with a shower of ocean water. A silent gasp imprinted itself in our collective memory. The unencumbered and mute strands now have begun a new weave in the design of our lives through that spirit run. Runners had come from the four directions of the Americas to converge in Piedmont, South Dakota for the final honoring ceremonies. The East Atlantic Ocean brought representatives from the shores of Long Island. The South sent runners from Central Mexico and as far away as Panama. The Inuit from the North had come from Alaska and Canada. And of course, us from the West, from the California Pacific Coast shores. We gathered over 3,500 strong that early summer of 2005. All nations, all beliefs, responsible for the care of our mother planet and all its flora and fauna. As indigenous people of the Americas, our responsibility is to land, water, and seas. In every spirit run that I have organized or participated in, these have been the topics of discourse, and I have carried this staff of responsibility since my youth. Land, water, and seeds affect us the most because our communities are marginalized. In the advent of a casino culture, which in some cases has exis existed at most 30 to 25 years, even that income source has not been able to provide for the safe carrying of land or water. The Spirit Run covered ground from one indigenous community to the next, crossing states, borders, and nations. Our running staffs carried each nation's representative flora and fauna. Every talking circle that we initiated during that run 
would address the issue of one, if not all three responsibilities. But now here I was, only week, weeks since having returned from that spirit run, in front of this motley group of people who had names like Lopez, Mar, Steinberg, Carmelo, Devanzo, Maccabe, Rooney, Rosenberg, Owen, Nodell, just to name a few. This team of human beings was working with artist Lauren Vaughn, and the title of her art piece was Not a Cornfield. We went around the table and people introduced themselves. Miss Vaughn wore a swath of unruly curly hair, ordinary laborer's clothing, and was accompanied by a beautiful and stately dog named Rumi. The central point of discussion with me, however, was the Day of the Dead, and how to incorporate it into the artistic and cultural activities of not a cornfield. Miss Bond and her team brought me up to speed quickly. <clears throat> I informed everyone that I was not a visual artist, and the Day of the Dead for us was done as a ceremonial offering for the ancestors. I knew a few people who would fit the bill if, in fact, they were looking for visual artists for myself. It was a time of honoring our ancestors with a ceremony, which began at sunset, lasted through the night, and would culminate with a sunrise offering. After a week or so of more meetings, discussions, and continued introductions, for the team was rather large, I learned that everything was embedded within the parameters of an artwork titled, Not a Cornfield. And let me add here that I had intermittently made the city of Los Angeles my home since 1991. In between then and now, though, I had also resided in South America and Mexico. However, the spirit runs would have me away for months at a time as we traverse North, Central, and South America. Previously to meeting Ms. Bond and her team, I had driven past this brown field for years, and mostly it had looked like a trash dumping area. In the course of time, I was officially hired as a consultant after much discussion, it was agreed that I would come on board to coordinate La Ofrenda and to invite all the surrounding communities to the ancestor gathering. During this period, discussion permeated everything and everyone in this team, and I reveled in it. I learned that Ms. Bond initially had had a vision dream about the place, which was owned by the California State Parks and that this work of art, this not a cornfield, was the actualization of that vision. Learning all this and seeing that everyone on this team was utilizing their resources, know-how, and time to nurture the brownfield back to health gave me hope for our species. Because from the moment of birth in our tribal culture, it is inculcated that human beings must respect everything that is life-sustaining. We are also taught to make an offering first and always before gathering, hunting, 
harvesting, or even when we ask a human being to teach us something. I grew up in this manner and raised my three children likewise. I could see this group of people were working hard to help the land. And being the nomadic and migratory species that we humans are, in every instant that I moved from one floristic environment to another, I took it upon myself to learn about the flora. I have moved many times throughout our mother planet, and always I took it upon myself to learn and use native plants for food and medicine. This is a common practice in all our indigenous cultures. However, Foraging for medicinal use in many instances was also out of necessity. But returning to that fall of 2005 in preparation for the first ancestor ceremony, La Ofrenda, we gathered inside the now fully matured corn stalks of not a cornfield. A circle was cleared of all flora and preparations ensued, but not before having received permission from the Tongva people who had been managing and living off these coastal oak and sage brushlands for thousands of years. Asking for permission of the indigenous people on whose land we occupy is a respect of place and people that I also learned since childhood. I make note here that this place of many names, now called not a cornfield, on November of 2005, welcomed the Gabrielino Tamba who had not set foot or held their ceremonies since 1767 in this very place which they know as Yagna. Because in 1767, they had been forcefully removed with whips and at gunpoint to establish the mission culture of husbandry and agriculture. <clears throat> Eventually, this area became what we now call the city of Los Angeles. So, on, the, on that portentous day of November 2nd, 2005, the coastal Tongva, the inland Gabrielinos, the foothill Tongva, all came to offer their songs in remembrance and to honor lineage by placing their ancestor poles on the land. From then on, every November until the year 2013, the anabolic monument served as a host home for La Ofrenda, welcoming all nations from every walk of life, but first and always honored the Tongva and their ancestors. There were years when the studio team cultivated the Sempalsochi marigold flowers which is an indigenous flower of the Americas and traditionally used to honor the dead in Mexico and Central America. The heirloom seeds had come via Don Gerardo, who had recently gardened his own plot at the South Central Farm Community Garden. But that farm had recently been destroyed to make way for industrial progress. That fall of 2005, when La Ofrenda activities ended, I was asked to coordinate the corn harvest with the surrounding community and to serve as a community liaison for the South Central farmers. In my youth, I had been a migrant worker and had harvested everything from cotton in the Panhandle area of Texas to corn, 
grapes, oranges, and much more in the San Joaquin Valley of California. I brought my experience and knowledge to the task. When the Not a Cornfield project ended, many changes came about. The group's management, the grounds management transferred over to the state park staff with the exception of the anabolic mon monument and its surrounding 15 acres. These acres were maintained by Ms. Bond and the studio team. From 2005 through 2009, part of my responsibility to the team was to work intensively as a community liaison with the three distinctly different groups of farmers that had formed after the annihilation of the South Central Farm. Ms. Bond and the Farm Lab team, as it was named then, supported and funded the various groups equally. Wanting to become autonomous, each group of farmers set their own trajectory. I assisted and created a nonprofit culture with two of the groups. The third group followed their own lead. At present, that third group is a successful land collective that supplies organic produce to the farmer's market community of Los Angeles. To clarify here, the anabolic monument was designed by Ms. Bond in 2006 to hold space for native flora and cultural interaction with human beings. The empty corn stalks that had recently been harvested from not a cornfield were transformed into 22 round corn bales. The bales were placed at the north end of the California State Park to encircle a two-acre parcel. The bales, plus the immediate 15 acres of parkland, were injected with seeds and mushroom spores indigenous to the floristic environment of Southern California. I worked with the studio team who had transitioned from not a cornfield project into the farm lab group under the title of community liaison. I led physical and cultural workshops on the grounds of the anabolic monument. and We cultivated edible flora from the heirloom seeds provided by the now artist and residents, Don Gerardo Vaquero Rosas, who had nurtured those seeds through his entire lifetime. From the year 2007 on, the studio team continually worked to clear the parkland from invasive flora. I coordinated volunteers from all walks of life for, <coughs> for invasive removal actions and engaged the surrounding underserved community in assisting. Teams, staff, and volunteers would sweep the land from south to north ends of the park, and at times there would be but a handful of people removing the flora. Intermittently, though, groups of 30 to 50 volunteers would be hard at task. Then in March of 2008, in the middle of our drought-driven days, a three-day downpour changed the sparse face of the park. Specifically, the anabolic monument and its surrounding acreage. Thousands of native seeds had been sown into the parkland 
two years previous by the studio team. The seeds have remained dormant within the land's entrails. Then the rains awakened and goaded those seeds. The sun rays coddled the soil and created the perfect conditions for them to burst into a hive of life-sustaining habitat. And for the first time in hundreds of years, the pungent smell of purple lupin, brush sunflower, white sage, California poppies, golden yarrow, and soft, malleable grasses filled the air with an aroma that flooded the memory of land to its own heritage. Tiny, native California sweat bees which love to nestle themselves into the California poppies, found sustenance and home. The buckeye, the California dogface, the swallowtail, and the painted lady butterflies joined the beetles and other native pollinators to paint a floristic work of art second to none. This bloom was the calling card for the small birds that followed. The rodents and the lizards gave way to coyotes, possums, skunks, osprey, screech owls, cranes, red-tailed hawks, and even a few eagles drove, dove down to feast. All this life teemed in that small 15-acre parcel of parkland, which had been managed with a consciousness towards generating native healthy flora, healthy soil and working together with the surrounding communities. This short-lived habitat was then drowned with Roundup to mitigate weeds and unwanted grasses by the state parks management staff. <clears throat> Please allow me now to give just a brief history about Roundup. It was introduced commercially in 1974 by Monsanto. I remember this because it was the year my daughter was born. Monsanto advertised Roundup as being an essential component for the then popular Green Revolution. The primary ingredient in Roundup is glyophosate, and this kills weeds, and grasses by blocking proteins essential to plant growth. The most recent research links glyophosate used to antibiotic, antibiotic resistance and hormone disruption and is noted as probably being carcinogenic for humans. Throughout the entire world on a yearly basis, there are 160 countries throwing 1.6 billion pounds of Roundup into the soils of our mother planet. Here at home in the United States, almost all corn, all soya, and cotton grown is treated with glyophosate. But back to my narrative. And let me say here that the invasive thistles and grasses were not deterred by Roundup. 
We, the studio staff and the volunteers, continued having to remove invasive flora throughout the following years. On the other hand, the native flora and seeds did not survive the onslaught. From 2006 to 2010, I continued working as a consultant with Ms. Bond and the Metabolic Studio, which became the official name of the place. There were many projects designed by Ms. Bond, but the ones I was involved in were the following. IOU Garden in Lone Pine, Strawberry Flag, and the urban garden created from the 100 South Central farm trees that finally found a home at the Huntington Gardens in Pasadena, California. Those trees now live lusciously in the grounds of the Huntington. However, we spent many years continuing to remove invasives. Then in 2010, we received the green light from the State Park's supervisor, Mr. Sean Woods, to reintroduce native seeds and flora to the land skirting the anabolic monument, including the north end entrance of the State Park. We began that action early in the winter of that year, and I continued as a full-time consultant for the metabolic studio. I had always identified this area of parkland, this area of our mother planet, as Tonga land, and wanted to continue honoring their culture through my practice. Having received a green light to plant natives and with the support of the metabolic studio, my intention for the native flora was as follows. The bloom, the seasons, and the four directions were to be representative of the Tonga culture. The selection included basket weavers' needs as well as accessibility for cultivation and harvesting by elders with walking impediments. Great attention was also given to planting flora that was threatened or endangered in the Los Angeles area. Besides these identified parameters, the flora had to have edible and medicinal properties. And last but not least, the flora had to sustain some bloom throughout the seasons. So you can see that much thought went into the selection, place, and time for cultivating the native flora. The planting began on the representative north end of the anabolic. The plant selection was determined with the assistance of volunteer landscape architect Amy Murray, Meredith Hackelman, and myself. That spring of 2010, we brought home the flora identified for that specific direction of the north and continued planting seeds, continued planting and seeding for over a period of a year and a half, always organized with volunteers. The anabolic had become my principal engagement on behalf of the metabolic studio. I remained as community organizer and focused on bringing representative indigenous cultural workers to the anabolic. Of course, as a community organizer, I also worked on other projects created by Ms. Bond. But for this writing, I am addressing myself specifically to the work in the anabolic and its native flora. 
In the summer of 2011, my participation with the Metabolic Studio team ended. I was given a grant by the studio, which was administered by the California State Park Foundation to focus solely in developing the cultural, floristic, and community engagement of the anabolic. This grant ended in the fall of 2013 when the park closed down. At that time, the park began its second phase of development, and all the native flora that we could not transplant or redirect into other sites was torn out by the roots and trashed by the state park. In truth, from 2005 through 2013, the land had been carefully tended by the metabolic studio staff, myself, and thousands of volunteers. During my grant period alone, from July 2011 through December, December 2013, we amassed over 3,000 volunteer hours at the anabolic. Indigenous communities from as far away as Australia, New Zealand, Alaska, Peru, and Mexico, as well as from the continental USA, had come to the anabolic to honor and offer their songs, their stories, and their ancestral respect to land. The native flora had responded likewise, and by the fall of 2013, it had flourished to create a habitat that housed not only endangered or threatened species, but many of Southern California's native pollinators had made it their home. The flora was so prolific and inviting that for two years in a row, the migrating mallard ducks laid their eggs and nested among the deer grass and overflowing purple and white sage. We had engaged the surrounding community, businesses, thousands of volunteers, funds from Ms. Bond, resources from the Metabolic Studio, and my cultural knowledge and energy. The land had responded. The earth was breathing and glowing, creating a habitat healthy enough to sustain its indigenous sage and coastal oak floristic legacy. And here it was, surrounded by a metropolis of skyscrapers, endless freeways, walls, paths, and buildings constructed of asphalt, cement, and metal. I thought that we, the collective we, were finally respecting and carrying out our responsibility to our mother planet in all of its life-sustaining ways. What a gem for this metropolis, this place now called the Anabolic Monument, could have been, but the weave of life creates its own path. And many times, I don't understand the why of things. And though Ms. Bond pleaded the case for saving the Anabolic and the native flora, the park supervisor, Mr. Sean Woods, would have none of it. I was present when she pleaded, as the three of us stood there, surrounded by the life of the indigenous flora and fauna, with its sounds and unique smells of a living, thriving, healthy earth. And so in this telling, I have written partially 
those actions that brought me to this area of land known as Yagna, this place of Biniming. This place, which has managed, was managed by the Tongva for thousands of years prior to any of us having come to it. This place at this time, under the vision dream of an artist named Lauren Bond and the Metabolic Studio team. Myself, thousands of volunteers, and uncountable visitors who came to honor land. This was destroyed also in the name of urban progress. When I came to work on this land, this place of many names, I brought with me ancestral knowledge, which I have accrued through my life experience with meager means and resources. For me, there is no separation between what I believe is my responsibility as a human species to our mother planet and that which I work on. They are one. Because foremost and always in my actions is the acknowledgement of our collective indigenous ancestors that sacrificed, fought, struggled during their lifetime so that we, the human beings, could continue to understand our responsibility to the flora, the fauna, the water, the air, and to our mother planet, which is the only home we have. We are truly an endangered species ourselves. If we do not act in a collective manner and nurture our home planet back to health, the weave of our existence demands we honor that responsibility. And I have written here, what I have written here is my answer to the best of my ability about this place of many names. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the latest Explorers Club session. For more information, please visit metabolicstudio.org. And thank you.